0: Dad Bod Rap Pod, another Tuesday in the apocalypse. It is your three faithful bros here with you. Uh, my name is Damone Carter, AKA Dim One, Struggle Rap Artur. Um, my rap career was unpopular, not underground. It was underground and unpopular. It continues to be. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> out here, Ew. out here doing it. I am joined by uh record store curmudgeon, Nate J. LeBlanc. Don't,
1: don't grip the records by the fucking grooves. <laughs> <laughs> you wanker. <laughs>
0: oh, I love it. Uh, and then we have, uh, you know, full-time writer, part-time Norte, um, <laughs> Mr. David Ma. <laughs> How's it going? He has on a red hat. I... I the visual Let joke in an audio I medium. I know.
2: Um, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Like you, Damone, I'm also just unpopular, so <laughs> we, we get along. You know. That's what uh, podcasting
0: is about: unpopular people talking about popular people.
1: That's funny. Um, uh, I had showed Lucia last night the pop locking like Norteno preacher guy thing. She had never Jesus. Seen it last oh, night to, to,
0: to understand uh, Marrow's parody of him. Exactly.
1: exactly. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was so funny. I hadn't watched it since it first came out, and I don't think I ever watched it on the big TV, like with the full sound. It was Jesus. so great. I was uh, like, that, "That's amazing. like 30 people I went to middle middle school with could have ended up as that guy." Totally, like, totally. Maybe some of them did. I don't right.
0: know. Oh, that's hilarious! Shout out to a uh, Victory Outreach and the uh, the Duke <laughs> of Earl play. There used to be a. Uh, there used to be. Well, I think it still exists. It's kind of like a Cholos for Jesus group that would come around and put on plays and stuff. Uh, supposedly they turn people from the street life to whatever. So when I was living in North San Jose, right off of downtown, they would go door to door promoting their Duke of Earl play. And wow. I just remember wow. that dude, whoever that guy is, some version of that dude came to my door with like face tats and the whole bit and was like-
1: He was like, dude, 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 watch my play, dude, dude, watch my play, dude, dude, watch my play. I'm
0: glad I set that up. That wasn't planned, y'all.
2: Um, that's quite the alley oop, guys. Oh man, that was full court alley oop right there. Oh, glad, my glad I could, glad
0: I could hear it for it. uh So we're we're back another week. um We're here in the Zoom room, the temple of Zoom. We've got an amazing interview lined up which we'll talk about in just a minute. Um but uh in the cycle of things shit. This might seem old by the time you guys hear it, but uh late last week or I don't know if it was on the weekend, uh Dave Chappelle released uh, a new kind of mini stand-up special called uh 846. Right. Um and um like everything Chappelle he drops it, and it's, it's an instant firestorm of kind of uh, conversation and debate and such, and um, I know we've all had a, a chance to watch it at this point. Um, yeah, I just want to get you guys' in- impressions, man. Uh, it's 27 minutes, not super long, um, kind of hit us out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, I
2: just want to kind of see how, how uh, folks are taking it. Thought it was great. Um, Friday night, I was just on Twitter, just laying on on my couch and was like, people are like, the new Chappelle. I'm like, what are we, what is everybody talking about? And then I found it and I watched it. And obviously, you know, it starts off sort of solemn and it ends solemn, you know, and I was like waiting for the jokes. And, um, you know, after about 30 seconds quickly, you realize that there's nothing funny about what's going to be said. And that's pretty much the whole point of it. Um, I got to, I have to commend Chappelle for always, um, just uh, greeting everything head on, like the, the, the hardest issues of the day head on. And, um, you know, without saying too much, but I, I do feel like he's gonna go down as one of the greatest. I mean, uh, people can have issues with sort of what he says, but like, to think that, you, that your ethics need to be in lockstep with every comedic joke for them to be a viable, smart, you know, impactful artist, I, I don't really buy that. So it was just another example of him doing Chappelle. And I, I think he's really great for, for society.
3: I'm
1: out, like guys. A, <laughs> Dave just dropped the mic and left the farm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I have a, a comedic take on it and a serious take on it, and I'll lead with the first one. Where like, if I mean, I know that there's nothing to do right now, but if you dragged me out to a fucking estate in the middle of Ohio and then only didn't tell jokes but did like a serious lecture for 27 minutes, I would be so pissed. <laughs> It's like, was there a warm-up act? Like, I understand Michelle (laughs) Wolf (laughs) was, like, uh, sheltering in place with Dave and his family because they were on tour. Like, she was staying with him on tour when it happened. Did she do a set? Like, before, like, 27 minutes is just not a lot to leave your house during a pandemic, (laughs) even if you do get a branded uh, Chappelle mask. But my serious take is that (laughs) while... Dave's recent comedy has its issues particularly around transphobia and right. like a kind of inability to reckon with like the place of women in society in a way that like kind of treats them equally which is a pretty big glaring blind spot and was very present here like he was savage on Candace Owens and Laura Ingram who don't like I don't think <laughs> deserve a lot of respect but like it's just the he, he, like saves his harshest critiques for, for women and then his weird like confusion I'm doing air quotes around trans people from the previous specials puts him in a in a weird position, but I did find this special to be incredibly gripping
3: um
1: mm-hmm. when he his his I'll, I'll you know again this is kind of a joke kind of not he had great vengeance and furious anger
4: yeah, you know yeah, what I mean right, like right, it was like he, right. <laughs> he he
1: appropriately expressed how pissed off everyone is now, and we needed that like we needed mm-hmm. an emblem for that and um it's, it's an absurd amount of time to lean on someone's neck, which is kind of the point of the title of the special. And like, right. it's, it's, very, it's very dark in that way because these are dark times. But I liked a lot of what he had to say about how the youth are clearly driving the modern protest mm-hmm. movement. And he was content to sit in the back seat.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I just, I thought that it was well done for what it was. It's not funny, but that's, point you know it's, right um, right it's a social commentary and a, a social commentary i think we all needed to hear and like i, I will probably watch it again which i I, you, I almost never do that for a stand-up special totally um, of okay. any kind so what did you think about um
0: i i'm a fan right of dave Chappelle. i probably told this story a couple times on the pod whenever we're unpacking Chappelle's latest uh latest bomb uh I'm a fan i've s I saw him live the last time I saw him live, maybe four or five years ago at Yoshi's oakland um super late show. It started at like eleven and went till probably two thirty three like I left at about two um and he in that in that space he has these lulls where he's not telling a joke mm-hmm. and um somebody in the crowd was like said something to the effect like tell a joke or something like trying to prod him and he he was really he was really cool about it he's like look somebody taught me a long time ago um, being on stage and doing stand up isn't about getting a laugh every second it's about just always be interesting like like whatever whatever you're saying whatever you're doing just be interesting and engaging on stage And that's a great kind of synopsis for if you go to see him live and he does his whole, like, I'm just going to talk shit for three and a half hours. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not all funny. So Mm -hmm. when I came into the special, I've never seen him, obviously, this angry. But this kind of format of, like, I'm just talking, I'm giving you social commentary, almost like a a live form essay or something like that. Um, Obviously, brilliant guy. He captures the, the anger Um, perfectly in a way that probably no one else could. He mentions in the special, um, you trust me because he doesn't have an agenda. And you really get that sense that this is just him raw, unfiltered, how he feels about it. The other reason you have to trust him is just because he's still wildly misogynistic um, for no good reason at this point. He's, he's He's pointing to a youth movement that is out in the streets and any of those kids would stop and tell him, that you want to shit on Candace Owens, you want to shit on Laura Ingram, don't make it about them being the c word. Don't don't make it about their womanness being the reason that you put them down. That shit was like mad cringy to me. Mm-hmm. I was kind of waiting to see where he was going with it because you could tell he was winding up, and I'm just like, oh man, you just nowhere,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like oh, <laughs> that, that was the end. <laughs>
0: that was it. Like you didn't have to compare and contrast. these and Meryl have pitch perfect takes on out of pocket white people. They it's all it's a big part of their brand. They lean into it. They never use someone's gender as the butt of the joke. Um, so I can hold both of those things. It doesn't mean he's not a genius. It means that he has a real blind spot and he's being really stubborn about it.
2: To me, he, to um, me, it's
0: it's deliberate.
2: You he know what I mean? Also called out Don Lemon though. So it, it wasn't a full, full-on women only attack mode though.
0: But it was all bitches? Sorry.
1: Oh. <laughs>
0: oh. Oh.
1: Uh, That that part was really interesting.
0: He didn't call out Don Lemon. He called out the fact that he should not have anything to say. Like, don't ask me. It wasn't... He didn't say, Don Lemon, here's your gender, you're a buster. You know what I mean? He didn't... It's not the same. Like, it just isn't. His strongest critiques in that whole bit, even the officer who stood on dude's neck, didn't get disparaged the way women did. And I understand it because... I'm Dave's age, I grew up around, uh, you know, uh, black males who have a very black male centric view of the struggle for liberation. It's, it's through the eyes and feelings of black men. Uh, uh, David Dennis, who's uh, a writer, kind of Twitter personality, broke down how Dave went on for 27 minutes and didn't even mention a female victim of police brutality, so, told several stories And again, doesn't mean he's not a genius. He's a complicated genius, and
2: I think it was a twenty-five-minute special. I mean, I don't know how fully encompassing it needs to be to to fully have impact on the moment. And I don't know if it's necessarily invalidated because he called Cantona a cunt.
1: Because it's definitely it's, not it's, invalidated. It's, it's uh, not, an, it's not invalidated. It's, yeah. it's
0: something that we have to hold up if we're going to talk about it. You know what I mean? I, I know, I, I know. I, I, go, I go with this with anyone. Like, I listen to a Jay-Z record and I go, yes, I enjoyed your record with Jay Electronica. Also, your politics are shit. And you sold Cap down the river. For sure, for sure. I, I got to hold both things. I can't not. Um, and also, I'm going to go an extra mile because Dave is being stubborn about this. He's just, he's really... Um, you know, people like Dream Hampton, who's a, post- a friend of his, has tried to kind of pull him to, and he's just clinging to, if I want to make a cunt joke, I make a cunt joke, which is fine. Do that. If you're Bill Burr, I don't give a fuck. Um, when you're Dave Chappelle and your brand is so aligned with um, issues of Black liberation and your your comedy has been looked at as a liberatory practice, it's a little retrograde. Let's see what happens. I'll still check for him the next time he comes around, but um, I do think the critiques I've heard a lot of kind of angst online about. Oh man, well, why are we even talking about this? We can't just enjoy, you know, Dave's special. And I'm just like, you can do both. You and and you and I think the moment requires that of us if we're going to be serious about um, it's everybody's liberation or nobody's. Like I I I don't want to be like yeah you know even though he's talking about essentially me you know my humanity um it's just too many too much of his is at the expense of other folks and i i uh i like the conversation around that though i feel like there was a time when this wouldn't happen uh, i
1: think he pretty clearly saw himself in george floyd and that that's that's the point of this special totally and george totally. floyd has been the emblematic Person that has been that his his filmed atrocious terrible tragic death kicked off this worldwide protest movement. Not Breonna Taylor, just to use as an example of someone who also died in a police shooting terribly. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I believe leaping. Yeah. yeah, a um, couple a,
0: a couple weeks before, but it goes back to that same point because this is a trans person whose life was taken it doesn't resonate in the same way. And that's not Dave's job to hold. Like that's, the reason that story didn't catch on is because it doesn't fit into that narrative of um, black men killed by police, black men who we feel is a scary thing, killed by people who are supposed to be really good. Right. When a trans person comes or even a black woman, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't carry the same way because of misogyny and all kinds of other ideas, which are not all Dave's to hold. Um, but it's just this moment. I think the activists and protest movement at this moment. What I'm really proud of is they are holding that. We know Breonna Taylor's name because of the same type of people who were in the streets for George Floyd. They made it known. It wasn't CNN. Didn't bring that to us. It wasn't celebrities. Um, so, you know, I I think everybody should see it. I've recommended that uh, folks in in my life who have reached out, wanting to understand or whatever. Should definitely check it out, but like anything, with the dis, with the disclaimer of just knowing that, um, you know, it's it's Dave does not come to us as an angel of a of, of perfect politics and right, and he's does. like the
1: last person in the world who smokes. No offense, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird to see him on stage, and he's like the, the, the well, his last cigarette in the special is a big climactic moment you're kind of like is he gonna get there like is he mm-hmm. gonna be able to light that thing like i was nervous like mm-hmm. I'm like dude like you're it's windy you're in weird ohio summer weather like is mm-hmm. this gonna happen
2: well so, after a while i was feeling like it might have been like a device right you know? like but so it was like I, a i'm top. totally
1: with you there yeah but, it's like but it, it was he, part of it
2: he did that in his show in
0: oakland when he wasn't supposed to smoke indoors so he would just ever so i think it's a device he does on stage just to kind of Again, stay interesting. He would try to light it, and you're like, is he going to light up in here?
1: Right. But he never quite did, but he mm-hmm. kept trying to do it. He needs yeah. the the release of the ritual, which is such a big part of smoking. Absolutely. To just get through the set, right?
0: So he he pretended to smoke, uh, probably had a Nicorette patch on the back of his neck. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Dave Chappelle, 846. Um, definitely check it out. And uh, it's not comedy I just I, just, yeah, <laughs> I, think, right, I think that's right. the thing it's just it's not comedy
2: well like, after a while after a while I mean stand-up comedy ends up just being the platform right here's right. the closest platform for you to get up and say these things and you know a la Bill Hicks or something you know and only if only a few can do it thank you for bringing
0: up Bill Hicks or like a, a, a Lenny George Bruce. Uh, Lenny Bruce George Carlin there's right. there's only a select few that can do it uh Ileana Glazer of Broad City fame. Alana Glazer, Alana Glazer um, wow. Wow. she she did she tried to do she tried to do a special that centered on politics and it was horrible it yeah. was horrible now, i'm a
2: big fan i love me her. too me too yeah.
0: and and her politics are on point point.
2: 100
0: right so it's yeah. that dichotomy of like right. i don't agree with all the day's politics but his his comedic sensibilities and ability to present um are genius level whereas you know you know not everybody can do that it's not Not everybody can be Chuck D. Not everybody can can do that type of um, that type of art. So it makes me respect Dave because I know how fucking hard that is to get up and make a point. Yeah. Move people's minds and somehow still be entertaining. Now, to your point, Nate, I think these are just Dave's neighbors. Right. I think these are his Ohio neighbors. I don't think people came from (laughs) 600 miles to see.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's six hundred miles. It's like even if even if my neighbor, one of my neighbors, invited me over for a show and then did it for twenty seven minutes, I'd be like, thanks.
2: Yeah, but <laughs> if your neighbor's Dave Chappelle, it's a little different. A little, than little different. My house.
1: Yeah, not not <laughs> everything can have the roots and Jill Scott and Erica Padu and last like five hours. So
0: I, I never got the full story. Speaking of neighbors, your neighbor that drinks wine, right there. Like, homie that just has a glass of wine out. So if he did something for 27 minutes, you wouldn't pull up?
1: You wouldn't just be like? He he does that uh, drinking wine, smoking, and raking the, like, two leaves that fell routine for, like, 16 hours a day. (laughs) No, I don't watch. Um, That's my
2: future right there. This is going to be
1: really boring for the people who don't live where I live (laughs) and, like, don't care about my neighbors. But uh, she kicked him out, dude. Oh, he's out of the picture and has been wow. for most of the quarantine. And one night, he like rolled by and like cussed at the cussed at the corridor. He would like come around the block and scream. What? And I'm not going to do like the Vietnamese obscenities when <laughs> he was screaming. Wow! After and uh, yeah, and like but wow. it is the vietnamese obscenity that we all learned in elementary school oh wow, man so, yeah. Um, wow. yeah wow yeah so he's out of the picture and it seems like the son and the mom are just like eating takeout and waiting out the quarantine wow. together and it's like the quietest it's ever been over there so yeah wow. holy shit okay
0: so yeah. uh, and i
1: don't know what I, I, my, my joke has been the whole time did he go live with his other family <laughs> He's, like um, on someone else's fence? <laughs> oh my god. With Three dollar brandy from like the bottom of the liquor store shelf and the cigarette oh, and like all like waving right all now. crazy when I get home. I'm carrying like six bags of groceries. He's like, hey, what's up, man? I'm like, yeah, I know you need attention, but like these shits are heavy. That's <laughs> wow. hilarious. Yeah. So
0: uh on next week's edition of Deadbeat Dead Bod Rap Pod. Um <laughs> We'll dig, into, we'll dig into what happened to uh, Nate's neighbor, uh, whether he's paying child support. Yes. Um, which, honestly, that would be a lit-ass question if we could ask rappers. Oh, my God.
1: Can you imagine how fast shows would end? <laughs> uh, I can think of one in particular where that became an issue. <laughs> one that, in particular.
4: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> If you get that joke,
4: you below are actually some of the
1: other guests, but below some of the others. Oh man,
2: <laughs> oh man! All right, enough of this binary talk. Oh, oh! <laughs> wow
0: we we have we have veered off quite a bit, but yeah. Um, I'm thinking we... about Nate's neighbor. <laughs> I want to know now. Now I need the other part of that story. Um, I, know. I, I know he's the
1: only one I talk to over there. I talk to the son very occasionally, but like, right. yeah, yeah, okay. I just don't want to get involved in anyone's life. Like my my, I think I might have mentioned this on <laughs> some of the other even pods, like- but like. <laughs> my street has this whole community vibe like there's a lot of families with kids and like they come out they play together the like the adults will stand off to the side and drink wine this dude's watering his lawn and they all have this like ecosystem and I'm just like
3: walking past
1: them six feet away screaming into my phone constantly like I never say hi I never engage like it's my act my feelings that we need to like you know Think global act local like don't actually start with like me engaging with any of my neighbors except for the people who live in my complex While wave in the driveway
0: you know <laughs> what nate i appreciate you for breaking the white people are great neighbor stereotype um, <laughs> i am often unnerved if i go somewhere and and the white neighbors are like super friendly
1: I know. Uh, my dad my, is the mayor of Edenwood. Like my dad knows everyone on the block. He knows their business. They know him. Like if they need something, yeah. cup of sugar. Yeah. Like I was raised with that kind of vibe. But like yeah, yeah, yeah. My, uh, my desire to be left alone and not have to like waste any energy talking to people outstrips my upbringing. All day. All day.
0: <laughs> that's, that's why we, we get along so well. Uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, agoraphobic, uh, non-neighborly hip hop, we have uh <laughs> we have an amazing interview lined up for y'all uh on this week's program. If you listen to our program at all and you should weekly, um you know that we are super huge fans of arm and Hammer um, both woods and elucid uh individually, but definitely their link up as Arm and Hammer is always an an event in our little part of the world and uh as many of you already know they released a new record called shrines um which is a which is a great record which we'll probably talk about in our next segment but um yeah they were cool enough to come on together we've had each one individually before but um having both woods and elucid on um and woods eating a pork chop during <laughs>
2: <laughs> two out of three man he's two yeah. out of three it was it was Uh, it was good times
1: it's it's a it's a cool interview it's a little oddly paced it's tough with the zoom and the latency and stuff so i don't think i'm gonna have edited much by the time you guys hear this it's just gonna be kind of what happened and there's a little bit of talk over and there's a little bit of odd pauses but i have to say um i literally think both of these guys are geniuses and like the i the ability to be able to talk to them and like tell some jokes but like ask some serious questions and to like bounce some things off of them like i'm gonna take that opportunity anytime i can get it and uh, i think the i think the record's truly excellent like it's it's the top level like it doesn't get better than this um in terms of our little world of art rap or whatever you want to call it underground whatever um so um it's it's kind of a momentous occasion for us and it's just cool to like hear what they think and like how different they are but yet they have like this Similar weird intertwined right. energy right. you know right. and like to to hear their rapport and like you could just tell especially like woods is such an elusive fan
2: right sure right. It's so cool right. yeah mm-hmm. it was cool to hear them talk about other artists they work with to get insight of you know these incredible artists that they are already and they're talking about you know all Quelly chris and you know all the others that they worked with and it's it was really incredible to have their time, especially at this moment right now.
1: Totally. And you know, um, th- they're, they're doing a good job getting out there. It's a little different than some of the other times we talked to them where they didn't have a new thing to promote. So this is, right. this is like a shrines interview. Um, so yep. if you guys are digging the record and I hope you're digging the record, cause if not, that's kind of on you. Not that, oh. uh, <laughs> um, oh. you'll learn a lot about its making here. And, um, we do get into a couple other little things, but um, it's a Shrines-based interview, and I think um, this is a serious, serious contender. And I was, I was DMing the guys earlier. I went back and listened to some of their other records, and I'm like, they're, they're at the top of whatever this game. is. Yeah, the Vanguard mm-hmm. or the like, yep. underground hip-hop or art rap or whatever. Like, They're on a four-album run that doesn't include their solo projects that mm-hmm. have all come out in the, the last mm-hmm. seven to eight years that are excellent, like everything's yeah. excellent that they've yeah. done. It's mm-hmm. really hard to say that about people, um, but I think the the proof is in the recordings. Like these are excellent recordings and they're really unique. So it's, it's exciting to me. Yeah,
0: it's-, it's, it's, a, it's a great time to catch them because I think, um, and I think we talked about this a little bit in the interview, is Shrines is a little bit of a departure um, from the kind of sound that maybe a lot of folks are used to with that. It was interesting to hear them kind of speak on that mm-hmm. um, and how the whole process comes together. So uh, we won't uh, delay any longer. Check out our extensive, expansive interview with Armin Hammer, deb I Rap party. Dad Bod Rap Pod, we're back. We have another dope interview lined up for y'all. This week, we have a group on the line that uh, casts a really big shadow in the in the hip-hop worlds that we move in. It's a group that we've talked about quite a bit on the show, both their individual projects and together. And I am speaking of Armin Hammer on the line with us to talk about their new record, Shrines. Uh, appreciate you guys coming on the program. I want to kick it off by asking the question uh when was this material recorded because i i listened to the album and there if if, depending on how you want to view it it could seem like it's talking about things that are happening right now but that's probably not possible so i'm i'm interested to know like when did this particular batch of songs get recorded and kind of what was going on at that time
5: yeah definitely uh pre-quarantine Mm. Um, and I think my earliest recollection is, uh, September, 2019, we were on tour, um, and maybe like the, I think Woods, am I correct? There was like a couple of songs that maybe have a
3: i'd have to go look up you probably promo. know better than me i'd have to go look up when we were there but yeah the the first song that we actually wrote and recorded was bitter cassava we were on tour and we dropped a demo for it um we were with kenny and we recorded a demo for it in uh in our airbnb in edinburgh yep. um and then we i mean it came out dope and we liked it and then we came back and uh and went to willie green's studio but by the time we went in for that first recording session with him we had maybe three joints of which maybe only one is on the album i'm not exactly sure i'm not exactly sure i feel like that there was a there were a couple other joints and we had also um the 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 water the 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 path forward wasn't quite as clear because we had been working on another project and then we started doing this and we didn't really know how it was going to fit together so it really crystallizes its own project at some point after we came back and started locking in with Green and recording them but um yeah I'd say the first one recorded on that tour you're talking about and then probably got in the studio and like November maybe, yep.
5: It was definitely in the fall, coming into winter. Yeah,
3: yeah, or October. Yep. yep, maybe it was October.
5: Yeah, because we were finished in like December, November, December.
3: Okay. Yeah, okay. It, it was. It, it wasn't. It was about a few months of of, of pretty intense rec- of recording in batches. You know.
2: Okay, where. Hey, uh, fellas, uh, you know, for this album, you know, a lot of people describe your music as sort of bleak and dark, but for the uninitiated, I felt like this album was, is, you know, in some ways, uh, your brightest album uh, with uh, some sunnier backdrops, um, tracks like Flavor Flav or War Stories in particular. Was that a particular, was that a purposeful decision to make this one a little bit brighter than the rest? Or,
5: or just how did the production palette come about? Mm. <clears throat> I think it was just like current current like musical sensibilities and like working with what we had and what we were like around and what we were receiving from people. Um yeah, the production always kind of dictates I think with like how people receive that. Um I kinda hated that 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 classification
4: mm-hmm.
5: as you know, what we do as being totally bleak and right. dystopian. I mean, there's not even talking about my st- up with woods like there's a lot of like funny lines there's always like really humorous lines to me that like people don't really talk about or don't think that they're funny or yeah. yes it's dark but you know mm-hmm. there it is um but yeah i think the production was just like what we had around or what we were like getting with and yeah yeah okay. it is definitely our brightest i think record.
3: that um yeah i would, I would agree with that so and, and just, i would say that not just- there was a certain point at which you're working and you start to see what you have and where you're going. Something um you know, and I definitely remember there was a there was a point where um when we had started working and I mean Elucid made it clear he, you know, had some ideas about direction and production that we could go that were different and I'm always I'm always looking to do something different cause that keeps it interesting. And um and so that that was out there but it was more just a sense of what we're going to as we started working seeing where you're going and what sorts of things are happening but I definitely feel like relatively early on Elucid did talk about um about wanting a different sort of less claustrophobic soundscape
5: and I think that
3: the the you know, I think part of it also is sometimes how albums are sequenced, leave people with very particular impressions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and this album comes in one way and goes out another way. Although, you know, who knows, because you just said war stories is a sunny backdrop, which I, that song makes me think of like, uh, T 55 tank going uphill. I can't even, <laughs> I, I didn't think of it that way, but, um, But yeah, you know, I I think that pretty early on we had some different production, and we're looking at naturally, that's like he said, that's going to dictate, you know, different sorts of things.
4: Right on. I feel like. Like uh,
3: Like on Paraffin, Elusive did half the beats, and or a bunch of others in collaboration with Messiah Music. So, yeah. Yeah, this one, um, he didn't produce anything, so it's totally different
5: yeah so on this record just like definitely like pulling back and not producing uh per se like hands-on making things but definitely Mm -hmm. like having it in mind and like picking the direction it was like this needs to be here this needs to be here we need to have this collaborator here and i was definitely kind of on my quincy jones shit in a way you know and some stuff
3: doesn't some stuff doesn't uh you didn't plan like you don't plan for anyone to send you the beat to charms
5: Right. right. Uh, to, it actually was sent
3: to me because I worked with Child Actor before. I've been on tour with them one time with this cat Chesky. Shout out to Chesky, stand up dude. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, Word. And um, i been. We both were on tour, but I stayed on the tour longer with Chesky and uh, half of Child Child Actor. It's a couple. Half of uh, the group was on tour with us and. The end of the tour, he was like, "Yo, I want to send you beats," and so I ended up doing something with him on terror management. And then he sent me a whole folder of uh, of beats, and then I just sent them to Elucid to, you know, pick something. Uh, And he heard something in charms and was like, "That's the one." And then once he sent it back to me, I was like, "I probably wouldn't have picked this, but once you pointed it out to me, I could see it," you know. I could see it. As soon as I actually listened to it, I was like, wow, this is going to be amazing. And so things like that, obviously, you know, sometimes just happen the same way. um, It's not in any way a sunny track, but like the fat Albert Einstein is like that dude is a friend of Kenny Siegel's. And so he sent me a whole bunch of beats all like that he played in no samples, you know, Um, he played all the instruments, put it all together. And was talking about trying to do a whole project like that. And I was like, it's a really interesting sound. A lot of this stuff is really cool, but I kind of am wrapped up in what I'm doing. I don't like to work on too many things at one time. I mean, I'm not really capable of it, to be honest. Uh, I get really focused in and obsessive over what, what I'm doing. Um, and so I just, you know, kind of, I was like, listen, man, let me like take one of these. Uh, well, I sent it to Elucid, lucid, and he picked one, even though it wasn't really, didn't seem like it was the type of sound that we were exactly doing. He picked one, and I was like, yo, that beat is fire. And um, I reached back out to the guy and was like, yo, can we just take this beat? Um, and, you know, we're down to do something with you in the future. I definitely be down to think about doing a project in the future. And um, luckily for us, he was like, all right, you know what? Yeah, because I think he had really envisioned it as, like, I want to do something with an artist who's going to do a whole, you know, whether it's an EP or an LP over these beats. And they were good. They're good. Um, but like, I never had anything to do with that guy. I know him. So things like that you're not playing for, but the work, you hear it, and then you're like, we got to do something. And then you see what happens with it.
1: Um, And on the flip side, there
3: were one or two other things that were really cool that we recorded that just didn't really fit. Woods,
5: what are you eating?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's a podcast I shouldn't be eating. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, uh, basically finished up. Uh, Uh, Some pork
5: chops.
4: We don't
3: want to get into my cooking right now. (laughs) <laughs> but trust this, me, they were good
0: This is a Halal podcast we can, uh, <laughs> jokes, jokes. All right. Um, That's wow. ironic
3: actually Considering the next record But <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Elucid, can I ask you about
3: We'll laugh about that in a year
1: um, I feel like it came out And then the world went crazy And we all sheltered in place And it just, it just is kind of under-discussed um can you tell us a little bit about um your approach on that and particularly um kind of what like why release it as a 120 something minute track and um what what happens at the end when woods comes in and young men comes in that like kind of finishes it off do you mind going into that
5: mm-hmm. um well, i guess regarding the format um i've been kind of like really interested in one taker sort of mix show kind of format. Um maybe, I don't know, since maybe uh almost 10 dollar? years maybe? Oh no, it's about 10 years. The first, the first time I did it was on the tape called Bird Eats Snake. Okay. And it was like a one track, 40 minute sort of a thing. And at the time I was really into like Like DJ mix shows and like internet radio, like NTS had just kind of started up, and I was just like into all these kind of like global sounds, and it would just be a straight mix of music for an hour and it was just like, oh, this is the shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, I guess before that I hadn't been listening to it for like that in a while. And I just like the idea of just like like totally sinking in and listening and just giving it attention versus like picking singles and shit, which is like you know, part of the wave right now with streaming, whatever, but I don't care. I'm into like a full immersive sort of experience, um, especially when it comes to like my productions. Uh, on Searship, yeah, Woods and, and Paul Barman. Oh, Young Men. Young men. <laughs> well, now you let it now you let it out now everyone <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah Young, man. <laughs> um, yeah, just kind of just fit into the flow of, of things you know it was like very much without vocals at all up until like a certain point it was just like yeah it's time to add uh some voices in the mix there uh yo thanks for bringing that up man
1: yeah for sure i just like i, I try to stay <laughs> up on what you guys do all the time and I just realized that I had totally missed it so I, I figure I can't be alone in that boat so we might as well mention it yeah, here yeah, so yeah. people can go back and try to
5: shout out band camp them. day
1: shout out yeah. band
5: camp day yep. uh, a nice little boost on those past two or three there uh, just on the ship so cool so
3: which project is better Searship or every egg double mm.
5: which project is better
3: hmm well I'm asking them
5: I have, okay. I think Searship
1: is a little bit more approachable, um, uh, though it it does enter into different phases at different times. I, I, I think I connected with it a little bit more. I found mm. the every egg I cracked was double yolk to be a little too left field, but um, with the caveat that I might've been bringing baggage to it, I can't really listen to anything with a completely open mind. Um, though it was impressive, I found it to be a, like... Uh, uh, a pane of glass in between me and it, where I wasn't really connecting with it. But mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, seership, I just jumped he... in. What's that? with seership, I just you know jumped in, just to mix the metaphor a little further.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I guess you, if you include that, you put out a repressive. Um, now, now I'm forgetting to plug the only one of these records I'm selling.
1: Uh, Shit Don't Rhyme No
3: More. (laughs) Yeah, considering you had a remaster and extra tracks on uh, Shit Don't Rhyme No More, you actually put out three records Mm -hmm. very recently. Mm
5: -hmm. Quiet, very quiet. (laughs) Let's
1: try to make it a little less quiet. That's what we're here for.
5: I'm curious to get out and play Searship Live. Um, I got a chance to do that with Every Egg and just seeing how people respond um, on big speakers for that. Uh, Every Egg is definitely, like, very experimental. And I also feel like um, in a live format, it probably works better than actually listening to it on your headphones. Mm -hmm. Uh, From what I've seen, from what I've seen, I was on tour with Mike Eagle um, and uh, some things I was doing earlier in the year, like when we were with uh, Arm & Hammer, we were out in Europe. And just seeing the the reaction to some of those joints. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to get out there and play seriously. I was hearing June of twenty twenty one. was an early date.
1: Uh, oh. wow. <laughs> I cannot imagine going wow. to going to yeah. a club show right now. So then yeah. yeah, we could talk about a year. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yep. Yep. Wow. That actually rem oh, go ahead. No, oh, go ahead. We should talk we gotta talk about some show stuff after the phone call. Melissa mm-hmm. just sort of remind me
4: mm-hmm.
3: something came up that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. um anyway go ahead that's great um just
0: to kind of flip it back to uh, shrines for a little bit what talk to us about that photo like yeah. where is it from what was the idea behind it I mean it's absolutely perfect but I I just I was really interested to hear kind of what the backstory on that is
3: all right, so it took me a while to think of what we were gonna do art wise on this record um i really you you usually I have a an idea or a sense of what and i I just everything I was thinking of was not really coming together as we were working on the project you know'cause I start thinking about that stuff and then at a certain point um so i I lived in New York when that happened, and I used to live uh I used to live in uptown for when I first came back to New York, I I lived uptown for, uh, for a good amount of time. And then eventually I came to Brooklyn. I never went back, but, um, I had only just moved to Brooklyn. I think a little bit before, uh, that event, if I'm not mistaken, it's like 2004. I could be wrong. Um, anyway, uh, it was just one of those things i was riding the train every day that was the cover of the uh of the tabloid paper of record <laughs> <laughs> in new york and um uh, and so i remembered the photograph and i'm just the type of person uh who always like reads the paper and it's just and also it was from an area i used to live so of course i was interested oh i see my couch on so um it was something that I remembered. And then it just, you know, as I'm sitting there and trying to think that came back to me and I thought that's perfect. Um, Mm. for a variety of reasons. Uh, I just thought it was, it it was perfect. So then what happened was, um, and I don't know if you want me to get into that, or if you want me to get into how I actually procured the photo. I want to know how you procured the
4: photo. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Okay. Uh, so I did some research. I found the photo, um, and then I found the credits for the photo. And then this was actually a good long period of. It was probably like a, a three weeks to a month of my life, um, which at one point got pretty stressful for reasons we'll oh. get to. But I found the photographer, uh, got in touch with him. He was very friendly and professional. Um, but he let me know that, uh, the photograph belonged to, um, the newspaper and not to him. Uh, mm, He is a staff photographer, belongs to this newspaper. Um, I started reaching out to the newspaper, uh, and I remember actually I said, oh, that's probably that's probably going to be a dead end. And I remember his response was kind of like, not if you approach them the right way, necessarily. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So I was like, you know, I, at that point, I was so into this idea that I really didn't want to abandon it. So I reached out, because I had some thoughts of maybe still need do a depiction of it, or but, right, you know, right. I didn't really want to do that. So I reached out to the newspaper. That took... I sent a bunch of emails with all this information and links, no answers to the relevant parties. Then um, I started calling, and then I would call, and they wouldn't answer at the desk that's supposed to handle licensing. Nobody would answer the phone. Then I started calling the general number, and they patched me through to that desk. And then I started calling and just saying whatever to get to somebody else. And I got to somebody else, and they would say, I'll give the message to the guy who's away from his desk. Nothing would happen. Finally, I just kept at it, and um, and the guy said, okay. I It sent them again all the information, and then they said, okay, well, you know, uh, this licensing company, uh, in this case, Getty is where you are going to get her from, and um, the rights, and so then I started negotiating with them only to find out that the picture is not as big of a picture as I thought. No. Um, and as I would have expected because in my mind I was thinking full bleed
4: right. like
3: the tiger in your face you know what I mean right. Like right. that. I was really and this is a good example of a lot of times you need to be able to step back from things and because sometimes you're so in love with your idea it can lock you off to other things so at mm. that point I'm disappointed I got the picture I'm trying to figure out what should we try to upsize it and risk it not having and um i happen to know a lot of artists and photographers so i just engaged with a lot of them about what they thought how to approach it got a lot of different opinions um but one was uh alexander richter who's done a lot of photography for us he shot the paraffin cover he said maybe just put it on a white on a background Mm. and um And actually, it was that in combination with another photographer who was like, maybe take a, print it out, make a photograph of it, and then take a picture of that. Mm. And I tried that, but it just didn't come out right. But then the idea of the the picture on the background, because when I talked to Alex about it, he'd been like, if you do that, use a white background. And once we did that, I said, yo, this actually, you know, like step back from your first idea. And the funny thing is that now having it, it's so much better this way,
4: huh mm. okay
3: um you haven't actually seen the 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 vinyl yet, but um i'm I'm happy that it's not full bleed on the vinyl, actually. Mm. Uh, there's something about it sitting there, and then also the the rest of the vinyl is all white, including on the back. There's no words or anything, so it, oh. it adds another element of power to it. Mm. right totally whereas if it had been full bleed then i would have been faced with the challenge of coming up with something on the backside that carried the same sort of weight as that image which right. would be obviously very very hard because that image is crazy um yeah. and it has so many layers to it yes uh and so we in the end so that all worked out for up. the best
1: Tiger management because Tiger King was the big thing at the beginning of quarantine and everyone in the world watched it. So it just gives this really interesting view of like, I was actually,
3: so when that started happening, Hey, I thought it's only a matter of time before somebody gets their mixtape and you know, I mean, just uses this. And apparently people had really forgotten that it ever happened because that story is crazy i mean the guy had roommates at one point i believe he had a roommate who had a child
4: That's crazy. and
3: they moved in and just went with it um but you know uh, when it it started happening you know i i was like oh man i i also was like i hope people don't think that i like guy inspired by tiger king or something right um but uh And and yeah, I was sweating bullets. I'm not going to lie. I was sweating bullets that any day somebody was going to put out their, their, um, their mixtape. Their Joe exotic Uh, (laughs) mixtape. You know, yeah, whatever their mixtape with that, uh, the Harlem tiger on it or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it turned out to be perfect in ways that I couldn't have even imagined. And, um, yeah, I think that I think the image is really powerful. And like I said, it operates on a lot of levels, which is something that is important to me when looking at art in general and definitely when Talking about a cover or something like that, you know, I want it to be something that you can look at and and, and get different things out of it in relationship to the art every time you look at it.
2: Oh, no, oh, perfect guys. Um, you know, I, I have a question. I usually ask most um, duos this, um, especially duos with overt chemistry. You know, what's the process behind the majority of your songs? Like, do you guys trade notes? Do you guys have meetings beforehand? Um, and especially, how how has that process changed since, with this album, uh, Elucid took more of an um, executive producer role?
3: Hmm. Well, I'm going to let him answer, but I don't even know if that's accurate. Because I would oh, say yeah? that most of the time... Most of the time, it's there's a pretty there's separation of powers. Just without really having to discuss it too much, we don't step Mm -hmm. on each other's toes very much. It's not a problem. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, the production is supplied by both people in terms of where what might come in and that you would think about using. Mm -hmm. But we usually, Elucid, is more likely to have a yay or nay vote on the beat.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, mm-hmm. like both people bring beats in, mm. and if he says let's rhyme on this, I'm probably gonna do it. You know, mm-hmm. I cannot remember a time where I was like, I'm absolutely no. not gonna do it or whatever. Right.
5: right. Okay. Okay. Um, so there's that, and that.
3: That's 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 step one. So I'm just like, saying it's always one. been that way. Not that you know, uh, it's always kind of been that way.
5: Yeah. Okay. So that's step one, and then I guess lyrically, it's just uh, the songs just come out of like maybe conversations. Uh, sometimes emails pass back and forth Um, someone will start the song so you say if I if I heard the beat loved the beat wrote a verse Woods what do you think about this if it's inspiring he'll move on it you know sometimes we'll get together and and actually like pre-plan like this might be the theme that we're running with and you know maybe we'll attack it two different ways or however way we uh we get from the beat based on that theme but yeah, we've kind of been running with that same formula since uh, race music. no Am I right?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes yeah, I'd say there's a tight, you know, somebody will be like, is there a title? Is there an idea? What are you doing? Um, but somebody else asked me about it before and I said that all of those things are in play and there's also a certain level in this collaboration and I mean, I don't say it lightly where there's definitely like an unusual sort of uh bond that um yeah. in the work that things just happen without that yeah. I don't think <laughs> I wouldn't be like, oh this hey, you can just replicate this by going to do this. Yeah. Because there's definitely stuff that we've done where after recording it, I was like, I don't even know
5: how did that why sense? it all
3: fit together right. as well as it does. Um right. or there'll be ideas that are both uh in there or even if they're in opposition to each other, the ideas will both be in there. Sometimes with very little discussion or um, songs where uh, everything becomes congruent just through a process I couldn't really explain to you. And I mean, I've recorded songs with lots of rappers and it's just, it's a rare, it's a rare thing. So I'm cognizant of that and like thankful for that. I don't think you could just sit down and like plan it out and have it happen like that. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. um can we uh talk a little bit about the guests and i I guess what i'm wondering and we don't have to go through like song by song or anything but i guess like do you start with a wish list or does the beat or the the song's (laughs) needs kind of uh dictate who you reach out to it does seem like there are more guest appearances on this than some of the the past albums but if you guys could speak to that a little bit
5: i think a lot of those guests are producers um, and then I guess people who were collaborating who weren't producers, it was just homies that I was just like, you would fit here. I really been been wanting to work with you. This is the perfect opportunity. Like, let's do it. Um, like, like more mother. I've been wanting to do a record with her for the longest time. And it yeah. just made sense on Ramsey's. Um, Pink Sifu was around who kind of connected us or there was a connection point between a few different people involved in the record. And it was just like, yo, you would sound ill over this. Like, I know it. So can you, can you do this for us? Akai solo, um, the homie who's just around always ready with a sharp dart. Sure. You sound amazing here. Like jump on it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think most of the people like producers and maybe through the producers, maybe I'm trying to think of like the connections, but maybe through the producers, maybe a couple of other people were, were brought in via that link but um it wasn't really a
3: wish list yeah it wasn't was, really a wish list it, yeah it was, wasn't I really i would say that more mother had been somebody that i had since her and the lucid have been had a relationship and so i would always be like get her, her you know i have a lot of respect very unique artist and so i'd be like let's do something let's do something you know what i mean but i didn't actually know her so it was like at the convenience of chaz making it happen but then i actually met her this year and the funny thing is we ended up doing some other stuff too that hasn't come out yet um that i thought was pretty cool um and then there were a couple people like earl uh just knowing him and then i was out in california at one point and played him some joints um and he was like oh i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it and so then i picked a space because I was like, all right, let me figure out where, what makes the most sense. And once I knew where he was going to be, he was actually in South Africa at the time and it turned into a huge ordeal to get that first recorded and to oh, us, oh but uh, it came to him and was great. And then other people like Quelle, it's interesting because he did a track with us on Rome and I brought him in on that just as somebody who I respect, I didn't know him that well, but I respected his art. We'd met a few times and said, can we do this? He did it. Yeah. This time, he was somebody who I would see more often because he kind of lived in my neighborhood and would sometimes just hit me up that he was walking around. We'd just smoke and talk. Fascinating, intelligent guy, obviously, um, and a funny person to be around. Yeah. So it was just like hanging around, and then you're like, oh, you should do something with this. I think also that he had been around Navy Blue, who was somebody who... I knew about his work, but uh, I still have never met him, although we oh. talked and just has never really worked out. Um, but when Earl was in New York, it, that connection got closer, you know, even though I didn't meet him. And so, um, and then I guess we did some joints over Navy Blues Beats. Uh, we recorded some things, and then Quelle was like, Oh, I heard what you guys are doing, da 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 da. And I had done, he had asked me to do something. But then it was just like a skit, you know, which I was happy to do. Right. And Uh, um, I was was like, like, I know this isn't really (laughs) an equal favor, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have these. And the funny thing was that at first I sent him this beat uh, by Kenny Siegel. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in my mind, it was like, I like the beat a lot. And I was like, this is is a Quelle beat. This sounds... Uh, this sounds like a Quelle beat. I sent it to him and he was like, I can rock with this, but what else do you have? (laughs) Um, And then I sent him, no, maybe he was at at my house. I can't remember if it was at my house. I sent it to him, but I played the Andrew Broder beat and he was like, this is the one. And I was kind of surprised, but I was like, cool. You know, I know that he can rap. So it's like, he has a lot of flaws. He's going to rap. And then he just came through and we both went to the studio and um and knocked it out that day and then Lucy got on it. So there's there's some things where um it was just sort no. of Curly no. Castro the same way coming through a lot. He was just around and he'd be like, "What are these beats? What are these beats?" Yeah. Curly Castro actually came through when I was working on charms and kind of helped me work out some things with like how I was writing finishing that verse um uh, ironically enough. And that was the same day uh, I played him some beats and he, he, he did, the, he came up with the Pommel Horse Chorus and also another thing that hasn't come out yet.
2: Hey, fellas, um, I, I want to um, touch base on one of the uh, tracks on the album, which is Pommel Horse with uh, Curly Castro, as you mentioned earlier. Um, Nate and I um, joke around about um, August Fanon, because we're fans of his work, and, we, and but he's kind of this I mysterious it's Phenon, dude. I think
3: just for the record. Is it
2: Fanon? Okay, August yeah, Fanon. Yeah, yeah.
3: like Franz Fanon, yeah.
2: Right, right, okay. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some insight on working with him? Because um, he was a part of your first album as well, no?
3: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
4: no, uh, yeah, Rome, right? Rome. Rome. Rome, right? Rome. Rome, right. he's it's all wrong. over Rome. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, how how, um, is, how is working the with first him?
5: Thing, the first thing you need to know about August Fanon is he's got many, many... Many beats. August Fanon, <laughs> the first I met, I, well, I haven't met him physically. I believe he's in yeah. Dallas, Texas. I have not had a chance <laughs> to meet him in, in the flesh. But the very first time we connected on the cyber tip, August Fanon sent, no exaggeration, about 25 beats yes. the first day. And then every single week, there'd be another 20 beats. So I mean, yeah, August Panan can produce every rapper's album <laughs> for the next ten years. <laughs> He's got beats, man. He's got beats. An amazing talent. He, he really. makes
3: a lot of beats.
5: Yeah, I have. This. Makes
3: a lot of beats. Um, and I think that, you know, the uh, the first time we worked with him, he was sending so many beats that at a certain point, and they were all like equally good. That do. it actually was the first time in my life that I ever was like just stop opening the emails because nah. we're never going to get anywhere. That was when we were working on Rome. We were like, we're never going to get anywhere. I mean, because we didn't even get new beats from him for, I mean, maybe a few, but we didn't even have to really go get new ones for paraffin. Right. Because we still had so many. Um, and all of them were just dipped in lava, you know? So, um, as far as a person to work with, uh, I, it would be easier for me to tell you about other things he did than like, as far as the beats it's it's, it's pretty straightforward and he's, you know, he's just a machine. He just makes them and sends them to you. I say as a person, he's, it's been an interesting connection. He's definitely a person who will like send you a rare foreign film.
5: True. True. Do you he ever do? Yeah, he definitely sent film.
3: me like r- r- rare, old, like black and white, like, 60s black film makers in Algeria or whatever. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: You guys are just completely... Well, shit that isn't even quite Argeria. criteria
3: collection, but it should be. <laughs> should be. Yeah. Um, and he would send these the mixes. Cool. Man. Yeah, go ahead. Do you remember those mixes, Elusive, that he had? Like, he would send whole records complete with artwork, whole instrumental... Record right, the theme, with artwork, all these different sound beats, bites. hits, sound bites—the whole thing. Just for you, I still have them. Like there's, the, there was the Sonic Youth one. There was like all wow. of these other ones taken from African like music sources. uh, uh it, you know, it must be something akin to like Madlib, right? Yeah,
4: yeah.
3: you know the level of productivity and how much of it seems to be done you know for his own enjoyment and out of just his own you know ability because he would send you the whole thing with the artwork and everything and you're like when is this coming out and it's like (laughs) oh there's no there isn't necessarily an out Mm -hmm. this is just a thing that um this is a thing that i make music and this is a thing i made
1: yeah that's you guys are like deepening our respect for him and i i have this thing i've been calling him the most interesting man in hip-hop uh, i've been kind of like <laughs> workshopping it on twitter and dave and i talk about it a lot on dms like the the choices he makes he made this tokyo cigar record this year that's fascinating his Vic spencer record from this year is fascinating he just has such a way with melody and to hear these kind of like tales of his legend it's just someone we want to talk to and i appreciate you sharing uh that little bit of a peek behind the curtain. Um, I, I would to... also
3: say that, um, I know you're moving on, but I would also oh, no, say please. that uh, it was actually uh, Mark Hami. I was like hanging out when I first met him. We were hanging out in person and he was, uh, I was telling him how much I loved the beats on HBO. And uh, yeah. mm-hmm. that was before I even heard the Gat, which is a lot of that is August too. Like those two have crazy synergy. And Mark was like, yo, I'm going to put you on with him and you know basically was like made made all of that happen so shout out to him and after he did it you know once i was working with Fanon i realized that sometimes people will want to keep a fire producer just under their wing to themselves i realized no wonder because the guy has too many beats (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's like too much that's usually not the problem usually you're like sitting around drumming your fingers waiting for producers to send you beats or they send you packs and it's like two joints are hitting out of 10, which is not not a diss, you know? That's nothing to be mad about. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. this guy was just sending packs of just everything in there was crazy. And so the first did. one you got, you're like <laughs> trying to save all of them. And then after a month or two, you're just like, just pick your favorite one or two and just keep it moving because there's better beats coming in a week. Mm-hmm
1: wow yeah that's amazing um i never
3: had an experience like that in my entire life to be totally honest that first time around especially on rome i was just like i don't even understand how a person can make this many dope beats
4: that's
1: so dope <laughs> um so i do want to bring it up to the present moment a little bit and just kind of hear your guys take on this theory which i, I don't think i came up with i think i'm just kind of crowdsourcing it but that with everything going on in the world right now, it's actually Rome and Paraffin that would be like the soundtrack to what's happening in the streets. And you guys have like kind of taken a slightly different direction with shrines. And I guess I just want to hear like, do you think that's true? And if there's anything you'd want to share with us or the audience about like what what's happening in the streets right now, what's happening in America right now. I know that's a big question and it's not really a question, but I, I guess, do you have anything you, you'd be willing to share with us?
3: Well, those are like two different things.
4: Okay.
1: Do you agree so with that... I guess my for me, I'd say that, that
3: there's, the, there's the aspect of um, things that, uh, you know, uh, you, you can't really say. I agree. It's like, in some ways, I went back and listened to Paraffin, and I was like, oh, this kind of is that record. Um, and... But, you know, I think that that says something for artists that uh, maybe that's part of, like, the magic of the collaboration where sometimes it's the head of things, you know what I mean? hmm You know, things you that you're doing are a little bit ahead. Yeah, the things they are doing are a little bit ahead of. Or, or another one I thought of is uh, scared because everything came true that I wrote. Right. You know, on,
1: yes. on. <laughs> yes, we're living it, dude. Yes. So, you know, <laughs> Thanks. So
3: that's one part of it. And, <laughs> and um and I just think that that's, you know, it, it's hard to really say. We'll see like where where shrines fits into things when time passes.
1: Yeah. Fair enough.
5: Right. Yeah, I mean I tend to agree. I tend to agree. I'm just as like as someone just kind of like paying attention and just watching things boil or simmer and then boil and i mean i guess here we are and uh yeah just title shifts all around us you know just kind of watching the title shifts kind of and trying to enjoy where i can picking my spots but um yeah who knows man i, I did i did peep that i i think i can't remember the name, the writer who wrote that Who did say that uh yeah tom bran was the tom brand, yeah the paraffin was the the record for today i thought that was kind of interesting and pretty cool
4: yeah
3: as far as the second part of your question um yeah i mean obviously there there's a lot going on i you know i'm a person who's a, a a student of history so sometimes i look out at it and i see both the ways that it's different and i also see echoes of like you know, the early 1970s uh-huh. and, um, you know, coming out of the civil rights movement and as the anti-Vietnam civil rights movement still going on. The Vietnam War protests have picked up speed. Uh, the country is, you know, entering into a national crisis. Nixon is about to walk off into the sunset um, and a very divided nation you know is beset by internal and external conflicts um and you had some very very radical ideas sort of even jostling with the with people who we think you know the civil rights movement as we think of it today was fighting with itself over some of those ideas you know what i mean right you had uh you had Eldridge, Eldridge Cleaver was telling people that James Baldwin was an Uncle Tom, right.
4: wow. you know?
3: He, he would, you know, and then 20 years later, Eldridge Cleaver is uh, voting oh, for right. Ronald Reagan
4: yeah. right. and
3: trying to <laughs> run <as> a Republican. <laughs> like, I see both the, uh, you know, I'm just always like, I, I see everything that's going on. I'm encouraged, and I think it's, I think it's 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 interesting to see these things happen, and, and certainly these are uh, the largest mass protest movements I have had the courtesy of seeing with my own eyes as an American.
5: Mm-hmm. And then, of
3: course, I'm always wary of, um, you know, what are we not seeing? Mm-hmm. Where is the backlash going to come from? And you know. Uh, uh, and what are the ideas that are going to last? What are the right. strategies to do things that are going to last? You know, mm-hmm. but it's a—I mean, it's—it's it's, cra- it's very exciting, and and it's interesting to see. And um, you know, yeah, obviously, it's a youth-led thing, yes. uh, and a lot of the people involved seem to really seem to have really done a lot of their research and their work, and people are impassioned and. No. Okay. and I also feel like you're seeing um you see like the the fact that it's that it's even in small towns yeah. or whatever that there's little things going on is very telling, you know, yeah um not that it makes it better or worse, but it's just interesting in the in recognizing the specific nature of this specific time and not just thinking, oh just history runs on a loop, you know I mean, every time has its own.
5: You know, it's not, it doesn't, history not running on a loop, but it's definitely cyclical. And it's definitely like a push and pull sort of a thing. Like we're, we're in a presidency that has gone so far right. Like, what are the people supposed to do other than go left? You okay. know what I mean? Like, it's just like this constant push and pull that happens Like, what, what did we expect? Like a president who's gone so extreme, pro-white nationalist, pro- like, of course, white people are gonna be like, yo, I'm not like that guy. They're too mm-hmm. guilty. I'm not like that guy. I'm, I'm a different kind of white guy or whatever, you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's just, you know, cycles and pushes and pulls and scales. And, yeah, man, it's very interesting to watch, be involved in.
3: I mean, that's what it all, that's what it all I mean, essentially when you're talking about the Civil War, for example, I mean, black people are 8% of the population. So when things like this happen, part of the discussion is white people arguing with each other. Because yep, yep. we've always, we're always arguing. if if eight percent of the population is arguing nobody has to care not that much right you know like not that much the civil war happens when a group of white people is arguing with the other group of white people enough about what the situation about race in america that they have to get into it You know, so uh show your commandments out here, man. Yeah,
5: show your allegiance out
0: here. Yeah, yeah, what what a time to be uh alive and creating. Uh we appreciate you guys coming on to the program. We want to definitely tell Thank everybody y'all. who hasn't heard it yet, go out and cop shrines. Um, I just saw looked on Twitter and saw a picture of the of the vinyl, um, and it looks freaking amazing. So Uh, We just, thank you guys again for coming on. We really appreciate
3: it. Yeah, great record. I I have a question. Please. I I have a question. I have two questions. Okay. One, Elucid, when do we get our our follow-up like a full-length what's the next full-length Elucid album
5: that's coming out? Now, even I am
3: confused.
5: (laughs) No. um, I'm Actually going to Detroit to finish this record I've been working on with um, Andy for the past year now. It's been about a year that I've been working on this record. It's coming out uh, on Mellow Music. And I guess maybe towards the end of the year, early 2021. Um, But yeah, I'm going up there to finish it. And that'll be a a full length elusive solo album produced by The Sound
3: of Lasso. Yeah, Right on. Okay, my next question is for you guys. How do you rank your Arm and Hammer record? That's oh. <laughs> best. to worst. I'm,
4: I'm ready. <laughs> Thank, thanks.
0: for bleeding into our next segment, Woods. Uh, <laughs>
3: you know, Woods the I do what I this. can, man. I do what I can. <laughs> yes. You should have a. I'm podcast. a disruptor. <laughs> oh man.
1: Um. So I, I'll I'll go first if you don't mind. Um. Uh, paraffin is number one, but I, I often do this. If it's the first film I see from a filmmaker or book I read from an author, it tends to be my favorite because it kind of gave me entree into the world and the, the patterns. Um, so, uh, paraffin is number one, I believe though I'm many listens behind shrines is going to come in number two, then Rome, then race music, then furative movement. So it almost moves backwards in time. Um, mm-hmm that's you know that's based on i'm i'm probably at five listens of shrines and we're going to have Yeah yeah that.
3: yeah yeah of course of course
1: yeah
2: <laughs> i'm going shrines and you know it, it kind of feels like you know, like the dude who just likes the the art the artist's latest record, but I do feel that. Um I really just like the beats. I've can you it. put
3: in some like sound effect applause after you say <laughs> that in the final
2: <laughs> I can uh, actually.
3: Make sure make sure it sounds like black people clapping. <laughs> <laughs>
4: hey, we'll record
0: we'll record some of my
4: clapping offline. <laughs> <'91, Washingtonville Hall>.
3: <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. Okay, okay, so Shrines, then what?
2: Um, paraffin, for me, and then Rome. And I never, I didn't really check out the other two small releases, but.
3: Okay, okay, um, but, that's, um, that's, that's, that's a good list.
2: Yeah, so uh, Shrines would be my number one. But again, I mean, you know, I, with your, with your guys' work, like, there's a lot to sort of unpack. So maybe on my 20th listen, I'll, you know, give, have a different answer.
0: Okay, mm. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going uh, Paraffin. I'm going shrines, I'm putting that number two, just because um I do really dig the uh the the audio sound palette, uh the how it's kind of different from some of the other releases. Uh and then Rome and like Dave, I, I haven't I haven't heard race music or
1: furited yet, but I have furative movements on wax. I'm going to have shrine on wax soon. We need to work on the others. So if you guys have stashed warehouse (laughs) copies, let's engage Uh in an offline conversation.
3: (laughs) All right. Thank you guys for having us on.
1: Of course. Thank you. Thank you, man. Yes.
0: Best of luck. All
4: right. Yeah. Thank you. All right.
3: Peace.
0: dead bod rap pod that was our interview with Armin hammer um i loved woods at the end uh jumping in with uh putting us on the spot
1: that was so tight
0: yeah that was that was real dope uh just so you know you guys won't see the zoom but that that key peel gif where he's like sweating because he's getting caught watching porn um, <laughs> when he asked the top three i was like nate go first nate go first oh nate, go totally first. totally yeah, I, was I was ready, ready.
1: Already, yeah. I yeah. I do Woo. I do my research, and I happen to love their music. And I came kind of late to it, so like I've been listening to it a ton again. Yeah, like, I was like, "Shrines is so good, I have to listen to Paraffin. Paraffin's so good, I have to listen right. to Rome." And right. I didn't know the first two as as much as none of us did. But now that I'm listening to them, I'm like, "These are really fucking good too." Really? Yeah. Okay. They're just they're really really well done records. Um, there's a couple things on race music. I just I I my ears weren't ready. Like one, in 2013, I was, I just was nowhere near this scene. I didn't know about it. And even when I first started getting into them, I was like, Oh, this album's clearly a different thing. Like they're not doing the thing that I like, Mm -hmm. which is like the dystopian thing, which we talked about a ton. But then when you go back and listen, it's still them. They're still brilliant. There's some moments of writing on there that are so great. There's this song. I'm not going to remember the title, but both of them talk about, um, this very relatable thing that I think we can all relate to though. I grew up middle-class. I I felt this as well when I was a kid of like not being able to wear, like dress how you wanted. And mm-hmm. they do this whole like riff on like brand names. Like um, they, uh, I think it's uh, Woods has this line where he incorporates Russell athletic into the thing. <laughs> and it's like a kind of rhyme he would never do now. Like it was yeah. almost like a Jizza labels kind of thing where he's like, utilizing the brand names, the East Bay Catalog, the Nikes, the Jordan Funny. I can't imagine it, that. Okay. It's wow. so sick. Like, wow. It's kind of like them doing a different style of hip hop. And on that song, I think um, Elucid sings the hook. And it's like, oh, well, they've gotten well away from that as well. Like nobody sings right. anything except for usually like fielded or like a yes. different, a different yeah. style of voice. So it, there, there's a ton to be learned from the okay. early records too.
0: Okay. So you, you heard it here first. Go back and check the early Armin Hammer releases, so you don't look like a dumbass when Woods asked you what your favorite
2: <laughs> releases. Are. I know. Um, <laughs> um, 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 uh. Low end theory, um, <laughs> you know, like anything that comes to mind. No, I actually had heard Rome before Paraffin, but just on a quick listen, you yeah. know, during a workday type shit. So I really had no real premise to review it, but. Yeah, that was really cool when he was like, "Let me ask you guys." You know, it's like it's, <laughs> oh, sure. it's really cool when like yeah. the artist actually cares. Totally, yeah. you know. He, and he did they, that
1: earlier in the interview too about right, those two right. Elucid projects, which I, I I thought that was super interesting too. And I was totally. like, well, like, just listen to him. Let
2: me tell you what I think. Like, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so rare opportunity.
2: Great interview. Really, really happy to have those guys. You guys are so
1: cool, man. I just yeah. can't. I can't imagine how it feels to walk around being like, I, I'm the best rapper, in my best friend or close compatriot is basically like scotty pippen in this equation where it's like (laughs) he's well he might might be the second best rapper but he's also like the second best rapper in the group you know what i mean that's just such a weird thing about them
0: it's uh amazing to hear in a bunch of our recent interviews about how much is going on in brooklyn if we just even if we go back to the fat tony kind of talking about um the scene there over the past couple years and talking to nappy nina uh, apparently, Quelly Chris is just traipsing around Brooklyn all day.
1: Writing rhymes um, on his phone as they yeah. talked about it. In, uh, the Call Out Culture podcast interview with Arm Hammer, which you guys should also check out if you, liked, if you liked our take on it. They did a slightly different version of the interview where all those guys are MCs, so it's real MCE. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. Yeah, and then uh, Donna Claire from DJ Booth had a written interview that was posted with them this morning, so... There's a lot Oh, of, DJ lot Booth. Oh.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Anderson Pot doesn't have anything <laughs> to be
2: reviewed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh. They they gave uh, Mac Miller another 10?
4: Okay. No. It's good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Shitting on DJ
0: Booth for no reason. Shout out DJ Booth. Um sometimes. All, all right, sometimes. Um so yeah, that wow. I, I love this program cuz sometimes
2: you just Jokes make. This nice is noise. what I miss. I miss you guys. I wish we were just hanging out in person.
1: I know. But I think. Anyways, maybe soonish with distance, perhaps. I don't know.
0: Right. So, so that's a hard no then.
4: <laughs> String cups from like. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, get what, tin what? cans with yeah. uh, strings.
4: What was that's, the? That's uh, what the
1: first initial quarantine episode sounded like. Anyway.
0: Uh, pretty much. We've come a long <laughs> way, haven't we? In the last three months. What is it, uh, the tweet was uh, in the Bay Area, we'll see what's up equals no.
1: Yes, 100%. <laughs> no, and man. Then we'll see what's it, up. You'll, you'll know why because you'll be like, who are all going to be there? <laughs>
4: <Exactly>. <laughs> right.
1: We'll see what's up. We'll see what's up, yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what's up is no, for sure. <laughs> yeah. it's, so, it's, like uh, a, it's a no my mom hasn't learned how to decipher yet.
0: Herb. <laughs> <curve. laughs> Although, shout out to Janelle because she's listening yes. to the program. Um, <laughs> So we we talked to Armin Hammer, we talked about shrines, which um you can hear us gush about in the interview. Um, and that is definitely one of the strongest albums of the year. We're officially midway through uh 2020, and um, yeah, we just wanted to take a, a little bit of time to kind of stop and this is the all-star break, um, thinking about what albums are on track to potentially being an album of the year. Um, if you listen to us for the last couple of years and you should have, uh, you'll know that we do a, a whole jamboree at the end of the year where we, we hand out album of the year um, and a bunch of other kind of, um, and Annual last year category. Woods
1: came on and we didn't do like a fake. Uh, here it is. You accept your award over audio, but <laughs> we did interview Woods who made the album of the year, Hiding Places with Kenny Siegel.
0: It should have some applause, Nate.
4: <laughs> <It> should have <laughs> some canned applause. Uh, I can uh,
1: um, yeah. I need mean, like if we ever get a real studio, I'll have like a soundboard like they have. Like, totally press, yeah, like, yeah, totally, totally. right.
4: Do, do, right. Do, do. <laughs> um,
1: what's it called? The um, and last year when we did this version of the episode, the mid-year check-in, we had Vic Spencer on,
4: yes, and
1: he had done one of the best records of yes. that year up to that point. So right, um, we're ha- we're having a little run with this. I have a I have a extensive list. How do we want to structure this? Demo?
0: Yeah, so let's. Um... Let's walk through, and if you could, Nate, I know you have your list of kind of a, a top twelve. Um, why don't you start with some of the outliers, okay. and then and then we'll kind of we'll kind of weave our way into what we think.
1: Work Landing on the top three,
0: okay. yeah. If we try to land. Let's see if we can land on the what are the top three contenders.
1: Okay. Um, honorable mention, like you guys heard in the interview, and this is probably my favorite interview segment we've done in a minute. Dave asked uh, Woods and Elucid about August Fanon and Dave and I have been kind of obsessed with August Fanon lately and he has two excellent records this year that I don't they're not the kind of records that would be album of the year but they're really interesting records and he currently has my attention and everything that was said in the interview like I'm going back and I'm going to try to get my hands on some of those mixes like I need to see what is up with this guy. Crazy, He's just like this crazy beat making Yeah, I am super intrigued. Person, so um, he has two records I would recommend. One is Vic Spencer, Segway God, Um, Psychological Cheat Sheet, which has probably some of the best and brightest and most melodic beats I've ever heard. And Mm. there's like 12 bangers in a row. It's just Mm. such a well-produced record. I love that record. And then he has a group with this dude called Tokyo Cigar called Haircut Ambiance, which again,
3: Beautiful title, <laughs> especially
1: during Shelter in Place. Sure, we're sure. actually in a no haircut on ambiance. Sure, right? sure. Um, but yeah. like that's, that's hilarious to me. And so I'm also intrigued with this dude, Tokyo Cigar. I'm learning about him. I'm listening to some of his band camp projects. It's like someone I really have my eye on. Um, last week's guest, Nappy Nina, has a short but powerful yes. project called 30 Bag that we're yes. all really into. Quelle um, Chris, past guest. All
0: let right, right, uh, let's, let's talk about this record.
1: All right. Um, what is it? What's the name of the album again? Innocent Country Two with
0: Chris Keys. So, so Innocent Country Two last year. Um, my personal record of the year uh, was Guns, Quale um, mm. Chris's, you know, very high concept but also super dope album. So I was really excited about Innocent Country um, because of the singles that they released. I think the Chris Keys Quale Chris link up. Um, is the best of both worlds because i it, it hit me one day that like quality chris sounds amazing on piano based Ooh. production um just for whatever reason i never made that kind of like you know a connection with the rapper before but like dude anything with the piano he usually sounds money and the first three singles that they put out off of innocent country um were amazing like i was super super excited about this um but for me, this record felt like when you list, when you see a movie and the trailer's mad hot, and then you get into the movie and you're like, "Oh, all the best parts were in the trailer." Interesting. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Um, yeah, just somehow, I'm not sure. I'm still trying to piece together why I don't like it more. Hmm. Um, but for some, on some level, it kind of lost its way. Um, sometimes I think Quelley Chris. Um, me doesn't carry the uh abstract avant-garde thing as well as let's say arm and hammer like they live in that space where he he to me when he's kind of decently in pocket cool beat like he's talking about real life shit it really hits whenever he the beat gets too abstract or he's trying to do something flow wise that's just definitely high level craftsmanship but i'm like i I don't quite understand what I'm listening to right now. Um, Also, also Quelle Chris mixes his vocals mad low, to where you're kind of like, "What did he say?" And sometimes, sometimes that's dope.
1: Like I have a condo in Sludge Village, so like (laughs) I'm like totally used to that at this point. Uh, Dave, do you have thoughts mixed or not on this project?
2: I was gonna say the things that Damone just mentioned is kind of what I like about Quelle. I like yeah. the I like the low vo the you know, the low volume of the voice. I like the I like the weirdness. I, I guess I do agree that I don't always am down when he when he tries these crazy flows, but I still appreciate the craftsmanship like you mentioned.
1: Um I, this is gonna sound like a super weird thing for me to say to you, Damone, but like the record is so black. Like it's so it's like this celebration <laughs> of like African American creativity and like sure it's like a spirit uplifting like
0: at some and points, right? borderline
1: like, gospel almost at times, like celebration of the like spirit of, and, and of I, a people. And I'm like, you're not on board with that? That like
0: blows I, I, my mind.
1: I love, I love what I love off, off yeah. of that
0: record. Uh, the, like I said, the first three singles were amazing, sacred, safe. Um, uh, of course they're all going to escape me right now, but I played those a bunch. Um, I think all of Kwele, Chris, Kwele Chris's work um, is very much steeped in in the Black experience, and so he really he really holds that up, and that's part of why I dig where he comes from. But um, yeah, just for whatever reason, I just wanted to call it out because it's a record that no, I, I, I love I that, and like I, love and,
1: I I slipped it in there because for me, it's not the top tier; it's kind right. of more in the the the, the top of the, the bottom of the top or whatever. Let me do a couple others sure. that I don't think we need to like go super long on but that are on my list. Uh Deuce Ellis and Camo Monk. Camo like Ellis it. is like, like my, it a lot. by far my instrumental project of the year. I love it. I bought the vinyl. I'm like obsessed with these beats. Um and then all of the 38 special records. Like I know Dave yeah, and I in particular yeah, have yeah, a yeah. hold on, hold on. Let me list them first. Planet Asia. Yeah. Rashid Chappelle. Thirty uh Shay Noir. Right. And I actually think I'm forgetting one. I think he has his own Trust
2: uh, Planet Asia. Oh, did you say that?
1: Yeah, I said Planet Asia. He, Trust Gang is his his group. Um, so there's that. And to me, they're not album of the year contenders. But when you take the totality of the work that mm-hmm. he did, it's mm-hmm. a very compelling moment. It's for me one of the defining things of this year is like 38 Special leveled up as I... a as a rhymer and as a producer and as a like. Um, herder of cats of different talents
2: right right.
1: i think what he's doing is really special and i really feel like in a way we're the only people who are covering it in our space Mm -hmm. and like including him in this kind of like conglomeration of all the people who we think are really making noise in hip-hop but please yeah no no no, i i love Takes. (laughs) (laughs) i take
0: the mantle from you nate um (laughs) no i i love the I was just going to say, I love the the business model of, of how he put together this run. Right. So he's got all these albums and I'm like, dude, how can you have this many albums? But it's really like he took Jay-Z's Rock La Familia um, model mm-hmm. and then multiplied it out. So for everyone in his crew, he basically has an album with them. Right. And right. it it all falls under 38 Special. I mean, he's he's on all of them, but he he creates this space where um he's letting everybody in his crew kind of have their shine but also attached to the name he's already made so i love i love the the approach i like some of the records i i love that planet asia is involved somehow that's wild
1: good record
0: dude that's a very good record that's his
2: best record in like 20 years uh Um, I remember when Planet Asia first came out, and everyone was like, "This guy's the next second coming." He's oh just man! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, it's funny though because the, you know? the thing he
1: was supposed to be was the next Rascó, right? Which was right. The, not necessarily something you want to be. I know. Uh, I know. You know, know. It's, uh, I'll always love Planet Asia because he says San Jose. Right. Well, his uh, his when, uh, when he was in, in your area. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's, that's It's right. on the uh, right. uh, peanut butter wolf. Rural. My weighs a ton. Weighs a ton. Yes. Yeah. Smart.
0: Thanks, peanut but, butter. As um, a
1: collector of San Jose references, that's a very good one. And there's, and there's, there's <laughs> only a
0: handful. Uh, shout out to Thirty Eight
1: Special. I think it's a great, um,
0: it's a great model. And for me, I think that that music is like, if Griselda is just a little too mm-hmm. too weird for you, like Thirty Eight Special is like perfect. Like, I right, think, right. I think it's it's a lot of what you get with Griselda without some of the more over the top stuff it's more just yeah. rhyming rhyming um i think Shay yeah. noir is is amazing we we just had her on the
4: program
2: totally. the last
0: episode so shout out to 38 special very interesting run i if we we might need to create a most interesting run category uh, oh, at the end
2: of the year because because yeah. this would be that well um, i think so- i think rap is being defined by these runs so yeah. That's, totally
1: yeah. it, it was it was the year we had to decide were milo's three records better than rock marciano's six <laughs> i know Where I'm like, and everyone who made one record go fuck yourself yeah.
2: <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what are you even talking about one, taking one a time? decade
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay one, one last fringe candidate and we spent some time on this on another show i have to i have to keep talking about medhane cold water yeah. um video this record super dope the video Did for no cap video for yeah. no cap and like who writes a hookless one minute twenty five second song that's amazing. Who gets like a peer two hand animate it? Who yeah. just like kind of tosses it out on Twitter and just goes like, "Here's my new shit." Like, take mm-hmm. it or leave it. Kind of like he's so dope. I'm like, kind of getting obsessed. With I, him. I
0: I don't know. If, I don't think he's new, right? Like, I I know he's been around for a little bit, but there is there. I feel like there is an emergence with him. Like, he seems like he's coming into a, a wider awareness. I think he's
1: going on a run. this this, this is his 20 this is he has two projects in 2020 and they're both at that kind of like 25 35 minute mark okay and it's like and i i feel like based on like you know social media stalking he's got more to come it's only june i know i know well well
2: one thing with uh compiling these like mid-year lists i was like man what what an enthralling year already there's so much fucking good shit even like the the eight off the top of my head we're good. And then I, you know, when I did research just to be like, Oh, anything else I forgot. Yeah. Those were all incredible too. You know? Yeah. It's it's embarrassment Um, of riches guys.
1: Totally. So going kind of backwards up, I think this is where I'd start to slot in the J electronica record. Absolutely. Which we talked about pretty extensively on our crossover episodes with call out culture called the takeoff. And we did a whole J electronica thing. So a lot of our thoughts are recorded there, but like, I wanna right. ask again, because we're right. about a month after that. Are you guys still listening to it?
2: I I'm not, but I don't know if that's always the measure of how good a, an album is. Do you know what I mean? Um, I you know, I haven't put on the Ramones in, in three months. does isn't you know. That but is
1: I, out of character Dave.
2: <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with Dave? Horace Andy though is still on
1: deck though. Wants to be your boyfriend.
2: <laughs> um I think it's an incredible record um yeah. i uh, you know it's one of those that obviously like you said earlier we, we already sort of expounded our thoughts on it but um to, I, I will probably not live up to the hype but goddamn, dude what's not to like i know i, I besides Damon who yeah he hates it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: i'm actually still listening to ghost of soldier slim and, and never ending story i think those are, are amazing tracks what i was gonna say is i feel like this record is like you know those a24 films
1: which are like yes, I watch all of them, right?
0: <laughs> which are like you know when that comes on, right? It's like it's not necessarily a super indie film, but it's it's a fringe enough that it's not a mainstream movie. It's, it's overground. Overground. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about this record. I feel like this is um, the most underground mainstream record that you're gonna that you're gonna hear um, yeah. this year, and yeah. I feel like if you do take away the hype around it and the whole jay electronica mystique it's a it's a strong record it's it's a very strong record i i don't know that it's gonna make it to the mountaintop but it's very strong and i feel like um it'd just be great if jay did a follow i mean jay electronica did a fucking (laughs) follow-up man like just bro right yeah totally yeah come on man just to me that would make this record more real if he came out and was just like
1: okay now i'm a rapper now i put out stuff yeah. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, we can only base it on what it is. Like he, he's proven over the last decade, he's not going to be what you think he is. So right, right. I, I just re-listened to it and it was kind of prompted on like, you know, when something ends and then Spotify keeps playing you playing stuff that they stuff. think is like that. And I heard one of the songs and I was like, let me throw the whole thing on again. And I was yeah. like, it's fucking good. <laughs> it's like, it's really good. Okay. Uh, next up, possibly um, too close on this but i'm gonna go west side gun pray for paris okay explosive when it came out like week of i was obsessed and like i think everyone in our world was like holy shit holy shit Mm -hmm. it's cooled quite a bit though so I'm, i'm gonna ask again are you guys still listening to this do you think it's a top 10 record of the year so
2: far I think so far, certainly. I think for, for a record to make such a big boom, there's always going to be a loud silence afterwards, too. Right. It's oh, all that's about really the build-up, well Dave, yeah. You know? yeah,
1: it's exciting. I think it's a really good record. Um, I, I think, I, I don't know if it's his best record, but it's among his best records. And right. it's, it's, it's got, like, star power. To it, where before it was so insular to the crew and right. like the close collaborators. So it's interesting to hear him bounce off of all these other people.
2: And the star power was good too. It wasn't just like a random, you know, um, the Tyler the creator um, drop. It was like totally. a fucking awesome verse. You yeah, know? Rock's, Rock's got a great moment on totally. there. Uh, totally. The, produ- the production yeah. guests are great.
1: Totally. Um, all right,
2: next up, uh, friends of the program, Shrapnel. Oh man! Shout out
4: to incredible Shout record
2: to. Uh, on my list as well. Um, definitely part of that Vanguard. Um, again, like what's not to like, man? Um, incredible uh, mood to the album. I really like the beats a lot. Shout out to Elucid. Yeah, oh, that's um, right. That's
1: right. So uh, I think with this, it's what's really cool to see because like we we hadn't met uh, Prem yet when we interviewed them, but I thought we like it would just it was just like talking to a talking to a homie, which I mm. love those interviews when we had them on but um castro we've talked to enough that i feel like we have a rapport it's like it's being mentioned not just in our little world but in like other publications as like an album of the year candidate and i could not be more happy about that for them and to hear woods like praise castro and talk about his role totally shrines to the forefront was super cool um it's just like it's it's just cool to see someone you would you like and you admire like level up and like i i think this it's a really really good record it is
0: So sorry. Uh, agreed. Agreed.
1: And then I have, now we're kind of getting into like serious territory. The big ones. Yeah, we're going to be exactly. talking about these in December. Do you guys have any other things that were not on my list that you wanted to discuss before we go into like...
2: So we're going the, into like the sort of main big ones, right? Kind of the alchemist territory.
4: Right? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. say. alchemist section?
1: <laughs> yeah. we're, wow. we're entering the alchemist course. lab. The right. alchemist show? First yeah. class, yes. Yeah. Okay. No? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Um, so let's talk about the two let's talk about Milo and then let's talk about the two Alchemist records. So, okay. uh, Rap Ferreira released Purple Moonlight Pages, which is this like jazzy real life uh, exploration of language and probably his best record in a career full of really good records. I'm a huge fan of his and it's certainly still uh, an album of the year contender for me. I love this record. Like I'm, I'm, I bought the tape. I don't even collect tapes. I have the sealed tape (laughs) sitting on my dresser because it was the thing—the thing I could do to support and to like get the physical tour. um, So, and when they do wax, I'll be first in line for the pre-order for the wax. Like, I think it's really special. I think the song "Leaving Hell" is like a defining song of our times, and um, I I just couldn't like a record more than this. And if it's not to everyone's taste, I totally understand that. But for my taste, it's like this is the shit. So, I'm loving that. Uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would, uh, I would second that. And Nate and I have gushed enormously about this record, but um, I just can't get over how to me it is, you know, he just picked up the baton from freestyle fellowship on this record. Like this is like, Outer City Griots. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, nice. <laughs>
4: like,
3: <laughs> I'm like,
1: glad you brought that up because Elucid does a Can You Find the Level of Difficulty in this, in this reference yes. on shrines. Yes. And so yes. I'm like, how's that the most influential song mm. of the year? And Chef's I love Kiss. that song. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's Chef's Kiss. So, cool. so it came out really, it was like the first album of the year, early with Boldy James, first album of the year uh, kind of candidate. But I'll always connect it to... The onset of when we really knew life was fucked up, like when COVID really got going,
1: um, this record just. It, hit. it was like the uh, soundtrack of the No Toilet Paper era. <laughs> right,
0: right. <exactly. laughs> when the first run on toilet paper happened, yeah, this, is, Milo, this is the
1: Am I gonna have to jump in the shower every time I shit record?
0: <laughs> Googling shit bidets, era? yeah. Googling <laughs> Japanese bidet. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel like. Um, I'll I'll kind of save a little bit because I feel like we are gonna talk about this again in December. But right. if you haven't checked it out, and because I know it's not one of those records that's like everybody's cup of tea, like my uh Rap Ferreira does not deal drugs. There's drums throughout the whole bit. Um, right. Uh Kenny Siegel is involved, and I just really feel like if you really like like fucking rap rap, I, I would really suggest you sit with this. It's not as it's definitely coffee house poetry influenced but in none of the corny ways like it really it really holds up so i would encourage <laughs> folks um if you haven't done so already to to check out purple moonlight pages
2: all right
1: uh sneaker because we have not talked about this on the show yet Ka, descendants
4: oh. of
2: kane speaking of runs dude is on like a six album run totally. i mean um, incredible record I love it I love it for every reason I love every other car record um, and we were talking about that earlier I believe maybe two two episodes ago I think that was off air though I was think. It? I'm pretty sure oh.
1: because <laughs> Damone had not listened to it yet or not yeah, enough we, to we did. Oh, right, we, we, had whole, we did a whole segment but didn't publish it gotcha like, gotcha feel free like speak freely oh okay
2: well I mean <laughs> yeah. it's a little you know I guess, I guess one one uh, critique, uh, criticism of his is it's a little too uh, samey. But, you know, I mean, that's like saying, you know, uh, RZA is Samesy. If you're a fan, you're a fan. If Ghostface is Samesy on every fucking song. He's Ghostface. Right. It's like um, this so- Michael
1: Jordan guy gets 30 points a game every <laughs> game. It's always the same.
2: <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, uh, I'm just a huge uh, fan of Ka. I almost love everything that he does. And trust me, I mean, that type of music where it's so it's so delicate and so uh, detailed, if it did suck and if it did sort of scare scared off the – his normal um, trajectory, you'd be like, no, oh, dude, this new car record sucks. But right. they're all excellent. They're yeah. so solid. All right. Um, Damon you
1: know, hit us. Super solid. Are you a descendant uh, of Kane? Super solid. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so I, I finally like sat with it. Like I kind of um you, just you're not
1: it. you've never fully bought into the car mythology, right? Like not not
0: fully, although I understand I understand why so many folks like him and for me that's always an interesting challenge to go everybody else likes this why don't i like it as much um sometimes
1: it's fun to be the one guy who doesn't get it or who's like you know what i'm just gonna sit this one out (laughs) but but i see i see what people are talking about i think
0: i said this or maybe it was on the on the lost tapes that we didn't we didn't publish but um to me he definitely reminds me of jizza in the sense of the economy of words and his style mm-hmm. is his style. He never breaks. He never, mm-hmm. he doesn't have one song where he's like, I'm gonna try out this other little flow.
2: Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. him a hundred percent of like, the
0: time. Laughs.
2: Yeah, Right. Yeah. <laughs> I really birth- like the, um, I like the JZA comparison too, because it's, it is like cold, windy. Cold, fucking, exactly. It, it's,
0: exactly. Like, it, it,
2: it, it, it's like liquid swords, like extreme. You know what I mean?
0: Exactly. So if you you went through a porthole called Liquid Swords and you right. wanted to drill down into that, um, I think Ka has done it. And I I like his work. Um, for me to rock with a whole record, it, I think it would have to be produced by somebody. That's why why Ooh. I landed. Where I go, his flow, his cadence, his writing style as a rapper, I go, that's that's pitch perfect. Like it's kind of like um you're gonna hate this comparison, but like. Uh, Celine Dion is an amazing (laughs) fucking singer like she hits all the notes and stuff but sans a a proper producer you could say the same about Whitney Houston it can get lost like that perfection can get lost and so what I wanted to hear from Descendants of Kane is like give me a curveball give me just Mm. change the speed one time Mm. for me give me me (laughs) something he's like nah bruh but, but his heart
1: will not go on. <laughs> 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 but do you, do you
2: want to hear like a fast rap car track?
1: Right. I
0: want to. I want to see him figure it out. Yeah. So if we want to go back to Purple Moonlight that. Pages, Rap Ferreira does different little motifs, and you're like, oh, okay. There's you on that. There's you on this. Um, I don't know if that is for Ka, but I would at least want to see him. Maybe the Sonic palette. Maybe a producer you know is that a Muds? is that a Mad Lib? somebody just to give me a I, I just want more razzle dazzle right. and I never you, get you, it you want it
1: to be something that it's not
2: <laughs> <laughs> he wants Pharrell to produce Cod apparently <laughs> uh. <laughs> because it would be two note not one
1: <laughs> that's hilarious right. no, I'm, I'm totally that's, open to that criticism I actually deeply yeah. understand it there are totally. people who I will not allow as a listener or as like whatever we are I don't think we're critics quite but as Professional appreciators. Uh, I'm not having it with most people making the same record over and over. Totally, again. totally. I can't totally. explain why, but he gets a pass because it's so good. Because, because right.
0: he's car, like ha- a- and what he did. If we compare him to again, I'm gonna keep bagging on Jay Electronica. He he <laughs> took he took his mystique and his whole mystery, got deep into it and makes records for people that want to hear his music. My my friend, uh, and you know, dope ass rapper. Meg Abusive told me this one day. He's like, dude, just make music for only people who would like it. And that's exactly what Cod does. Like he yeah. never, he never goes, maybe I should expand. He's like, oh, nope. no, totally. He's nope. locked
2: in. Complete this is, this is in. my
0: audience. I know right, what they want. Right. And to the same degree, I think Rock Marcy does the same thing. Um, yes.
2: I think he, he There's understands. There's more variation, but I hear, he I hear you. A
1: little different palette. And like, it, it's by talking about street shit and not let's say the bible or greek mythology or right, japanese right. history um you you if, you if, open yourself up to a kind of a wider commercial range sensibility. if, if
0: i'm ka i'm like fuck you Demone. i made a record about the bible greek mythology <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> like uh, i've done all yeah, this those different are shit. different records right yeah. right <laughs> um
0: i feel you ka fuck me too
1: <laughs> so well, um, I'll just say this. So if if it's if I didn't say it on the previous episode, it's recorded because this is what I think about cause music and why I like it so much. No wasted sounds, no wasted syllables. It's everything one. is polished yeah, one. down right. to the highest right. Right. Well, degree. Like it's like, it's right, like yeah. a beautiful gem. And like, we're lucky we get to look at them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like They're- the uncut gems thing. Like, can yeah. I just hold the rock? Yeah. So yeah. Can yeah. I just be in right. cause presence for half an hour and like forget about my day and just like marvel at the economy as a right. writer right. to like distill his thing so deeply, perfectly. Like I, I fucking love that. I'm it's so glad it's, it is. it's,
0: it's I'm Tim Duncan. That it's Tim Duncan turn around bank shot. You're like, that's not, f-. he's like, nah, man, that's what the fuck I do. Yeah.
2: And, and
1: dominate. See, see yeah. you at the hall of fame. Right. Oh, oh, right. right. Oh man. All right. Well, so
2: you got one Dave? No, well, I was going to say that. I know that's not uh, Demone's cup of tea, but what about the price of tea in China? Ah, no. <laughs> so much better
1: dude. Uh, honestly, so good. It, was Hold my it. album of the year say, like it, say it though nate months. say what you're I, gonna say I, I don't know if it still is Say what you're like, gonna say why it... because you heard what because i heard the purple moonlight pages and shrines <laughs> and stuff that's a little bit more my sensibility but every time a song from this comes up i'm like this is so, so good. good yeah and yeah. like apparently people who've been listening to boldy for a long time and like he's from Detroit and has a whole history before mm-hmm. he got involved mm-hmm. in this kind of artsy stuff that he's doing now um we're like he never changed like so there's like the 10 fans, albums yeah. we can go back and listen to right, right. and then uh, but I did I didn't check for him I didn't really even know who he was this is basically my introduction to him and it's such a good record it's such a well-produced record it has so many different textures it has a amazing vince staples verse right it's just like it's just such a good record and every time you know again if like i'm listening to a playlist or a mix or something and one of these things comes on i'm like
2: i forgot how good this is right I listened right. to it in
1: like three weeks it's so it's just so well crafted it's 100 percent great record
2: yeah and to your point like i actually threw that on semi recently and was just constantly reminded and throughout the whole album there's just like benchmarks of reminders of what of like, oh, this alchemist's beat is awesome. Those like four bars are amazing. He just yeah. painted an entire street corner. You know, like, yeah, incredible. Um, I think that's, we're gonna be talking about that record in six months too.
0: Yeah. It just, it's the records that come out at the top of the year are kind of like,
2: unfortunately- is that where you wanted me to go with that? Well, well <laughs> no. Where,
0: where, I was going, where I was going with that though, and again, I think the records that come out at the top of the year are at a disadvantage. Um, yeah. But yeah. I feel like um my I only slightly changed my opinion of the Boldy James record after hearing uh Alfredo, which I'm sure we'll talk mm. about in a minute. Of um course. I feel like uh I feel like Boldy James is super, super, super uh craftsman. It's almost like it's it's almost ca-esque in the way that he He has a particular flow and a tone of voice and he never breaks
2: character. Like he... Casual talking.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's he's got that kind of... Which is actually interesting for a Detroit guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Detroit rappers are renowned for being kind of like wild and over the top. And he's got this cool, like super understated um, kind of flow. And he says some really cool things. There's some songs off of there that are still in my constant rotation. Mm -hmm. I I just feel like... um, I look at the Alchemist records of Alfredo, um, Price Tea Tia China, and what was Conway's joint? Lulu, Lulu, Lulu. Um, I can't. I don't know why. I just get locked into comparing them to each other mm. and going. And when I start to do the comparison game, I go, "Yes, Price of Tia China was dope." I and maybe this is a segue into a, another record we'll talk about, but I, I just think that Gibbs took it a little. A little further, like he, and maybe maybe he benefited from hearing it, like and going, Hmm, okay. I'm
1: I'm comfortable saying at this point in their careers, Gibbs is the better rapper, and therefore Alfredo is the better record. I'm cool. I'm cool with saying that. Like i like uh, we have history with Gibbs, right? Like I was just saying, I hadn't really checked for Boldy before this, but it's incredible, and now I will. Mm. With Gibbs, it's like that. I I remember. Well, I can't remember. I think it was on Decon. He had a. He had a project on Decon in like 2010. I think that was the first time I I heard him. It was like an EP, mm-hmm. and that was before his like or after his Gangsta Gibbs stuff, which I've since gone back and listened to. So like, he's his craftsmanship has elevated, if for you sure. will, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and him connecting yes. with like kind of art rap tour guys has really really been fruitful for everyone involved. Like the the contrast of the sonic mm-hmm. palette and the kind totally. of straight sensibility of the rhymes has basically made some of the best rap music of modern times. Totally. Sure. So Alfredo is incredible.
2: Incredible. I mean, this is, um, you know, uh, to your point, Damone, I mean, Alchemist is everywhere, dude. He has his hands on the best shit. And this is like the third year in a row we're saying this, you know? I know, I know. Um, speaking of runs, you know, yeah. producers producers aren't like on the face of things, but dude is um, an anchor for oh for sure. so much of what, we're, what we enjoy.
0: For sure. But I think, I think, and I'm sorry, I don't want to step on the price of tea in China, but it seems like we're, we're pivoting to, to talking a little bit about Alfredo. Um, I think Gibbs, um, as dope as Alchemist is, I think Gibbs is the guy of the three records that came out who met that challenge the best. Um, I feel like he brought his style and personality, even more so, we talked about this on a previous episode, even more so, than on the uh, the Madlip collaboration projects. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like where Alchemist and Gibbs meet is such a, a, a dope place and mm-hmm. that um, it's, it could be easy, and I've heard this with some Alchemist joints, where the, the rapper isn't, isn't as dope as the beat. And I feel like with right. Gibbs, he comes in and he's trying to show you he's as dope as the beat. Like sometimes right, right. there's a way... There's, for like, sure. how, how they have system quarterbacks in the NFL. There's a way to do that rapping where mm-hmm. the beat is just so dope and you're, like, I'm going to do the bare I'm minimum. I'm going to go in and yeah. fucking. Gibbs is, like, I'm going to rip the shit out of this beat, which is already dope. And so um, I – for me, Alfredo right now, even though it's very recent, there's a recency bias, obviously. Um,
1: Still in the front of the rotation.
0: Yeah,
2: Yeah. And if I'm looking at numbers of listens, like, you know, it's, it, it's probably far surpasses of many things.
1: Um, that only leaves us with the record we've already pretty heavily discussed today, which is Shrines. Right. Which We're is, Kneeling again, at the altar. Yeah, kind of a... <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I'm going to leave an orange. <laughs> um, like, it's like... It <laughs> it it it's probably a masterpiece. Like that's like what I'm willing to say right now. Like right. I, and and like to 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 go back to something that I think um, I saw in one of the other interviews that came out recently. I think Woods thinks at least, and I'm not sure about Elusive that it's their best record.
0: Oh, that's what he was. That's why he was poking yeah. us. I know. Yeah, like, and yeah. I'm not there yeah.
1: yet. I'm not there yet. I I still yeah. think Paraffin is their best record, and I said it earlier, so I'm not going to say it again. But it was the first thing I heard, and it kind of it blew my mind. So mm-hmm. like, I you can't like un this unblow
0: my, your mind yeah, yeah i was yeah, gonna yeah. say
1: it but it, it sounds weird um <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of the the story of that and that's kind of the story of this year so far it's again i i'll i'm comfortable saying this we're in a golden age of rap
2: 100 this is 100%. a great
1: great time there's 10 things i didn't even list that right. are excellent and deserve multiple listens and should be purchased on Bandcamp on the day when everybody gets all the money and like there's like fringe artists that are doing really interesting weird things there's mainstream artists that are like finding new pockets there's the kind of overground art rap world that we're kind of swimming in the water of where everybody's productive and incredible and seems to be at least in some semblance of communion with each other and totally totally the records and the guest appearances and that's so fucking cool
2: i mean we've been wanting earl to work with woods for how long and it's like we see them communicate on twitter and then there's a song together it's like we're, we're seeing this happen, and we're, we're cresting, in, you know, in terms of modernity, and this is, like you said, Nate, the best fucking another golden age. Like, literally, I mean, if you asked, if, if we had this conversation in, like, 2008, I could probably come up with, like, four albums. Right. You Maybe. know. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, there are you. dud years, but this is just a complete embarrassment
1: or riches and i think um getting to talk to the practitioners of the art makes me like the music more like i know oh, for that sure, it does. For like, sure. It, it's it's, it's like it's fucking hella fun to have a rap podcast and like get to talk to these people like and some of the people who we've talked to and maybe you guys can tell from like kind of like tone of voice in the interview it's like i'm i'm like
4: okay okay if you're yeah.
1: if you're saying that i'm gonna think about it like this and it makes me sure. like their music more and right. that's sure. happened that's happened Multiple times over the, what are we on episode 123 here? So the, right. there's literally been hundreds of times that we've talked to people and had interesting conversations with them, and at least I learned more about their motivations. Right, it's easier to kind of apply subtext to the text Absolutely. when I'm listening to it. So mm, it's it's, it's a, a good way of putting it. Position, and I hope that it's like that for the people who listen as well. um But yeah, I don't. Demone thoughts on kind of the era or the half year or and like also like fucking pandemic fucking riots yeah like, yeah right, it's, a, it's a
0: crazy time that's why don't trump like it's just like, right. this, this time is
2: insane so it's like, a crazy
0: time to be making music but i think um uh i think times like this even though that's why i asked the shrines question early is like when was this recorded right um, just right. just to kind of get a sense of how it tethers to what's going on and it happened before but um i feel like now is a is a golden age for many reasons um one just being access like people have access to each other in 2008 you wouldn't know to do with a freddie gibbs like he started off by schlepping around with like rick ross's crew and and they can never find how to properly slot him and so hip-hop as it does it invents nothing it reinvents everything everybody's being reinvented Um, the fact that the the drug dealer rap has been reinvented right if it was still up to like jay-z and jeezy and those guys the shit would be dead right um or you know the kids took a more emo direction like for them it's not even about dealing drugs anymore Mm
4: -hmm, but mm -hmm.
0: hip-hop has reinvigorated um street rap in a particular way that's a big part of this Mm -hmm. and then there's a lot of artists of this generation who typically, when we're talking to somebody on the phone, I'm older than them. Um, right, I never and, even
1: thought about that. That's right, so yeah, interesting. For right.
0: the vast majority of folks, right. not, not Aconelli, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Um, I think we're the same age. Uh, so, so all these cats, like Rap Ferreira understands history. And you have these rappers that are clearly steeped in, like, what came before them before right. they were old enough to even listen to it.
4: Yeah, you know and they're I mean? the
1: biggest and, in many ways, the best fans.
4: Yeah, Right. They, right. they, they right. know
1: this shit out and out. They know what drum you used, what right. you used to produce it, what year the record's from, what flow that is it's on the shoulders of giants Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm.
0: like they stand, they take what's been what's happened thus far and then taking it another step which is why i love purple moonlight pages so much it borrows from everything that i am steeped in and then takes it another step so right between those two movements there's just so much happening and with that even said um there's so many other things like you know, I know Vic Spencer just put out, um, just put out another record. It's not quite um, out
1: yet. We have it, though. <laughs> oh,
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry, broke people. You don't have it. Um, uh, there's just so many voices who we've yet to hear from that it'll be interesting. Because I think, what is it? Uh, Rock is supposed to have another one.
1: They've been hinting pretty serious it's like called rock mountain or something Rock mountain is is is,
0: uh is supposed to be coming out and when you have these times i think people bounce off of each other people are trying to outdo each other people are trying to work with each other yeah um so i i think it only actually gets better from here i I don't know if you guys
1: listen to it or not but i'm obsessed with the beans album that's going to be coming out like for the art rap contingent Okay, um, right. this this is a deeply weird record that is so good and i'm gonna find out i'm gonna figure out a way to incorporate it into okay. what we're doing um i'm yeah that's some weird shit though dude it's like it's so i had to like he sent it to me very kindly and i listened to it and i was like this is insane like this is like okay. exciting to me because i i've been communicating with a couple of the people in our Kind of DM world who I get to get a chance to talk to and bounce ideas off of. Like, I think part of my response to the shittiness of the world is to tuck into some absurdity
4: mm, and to, sure. like,
1: use okay. like the blanket of the absurdity sure. to like cover me and okay. like let me like swim in that water, like take an edible, listen to some weird shit, like ride my bike, right. like take right. a long ass walk, get lost, and like I'm finding some solace in the weirdness and the refracted nature of abstract hip-hop which I listened to a ton of in college and like earlier in my life and like kind of because I don't really play stuff like that around the house or like when other people are around it's mm-hmm. like it's headphone music and I'm in this like yeah. real headphone yeah. space I basically have these things in my ears all the time now so that's a really cool thing that's coming up that I think the people who like stuff like that are gonna find a okay. lot to enjoy
2: about. 100% kind of like what Damone was saying with like the active peer listenership I mean hip-hop is all about one upsmanship right so I mean that's to our advantage. That That's you know insane. these cats that we like are fully um, interacting. You know, it's like Trying they to out-
1: rap each other, and we're we're reaping all the benefits. <laughs> yes, dude, please. I
2: mean, fucking Tyler, who doesn't even rap anymore, has two amazing verses. It's just like totally oh, because you know he's listening. You know, he's not going to absolutely. On it. So it's like, yeah, it's it's just very tangible in that way. Um, super here for it.
0: Yeah, it's a great time to have a have a rap podcast. We appreciate y'all listening, tuning in every week. We drop new episodes on Thursday. You can check us out uh, at Kiki is is rebooted. Kiki got yes, all the new but shit, but we're
1: not caught up with the new shit yet. It still okay. have to send listen to
0: our themselves. listen to our old shit on Kiki.co.uk, um, and we're also on all of the other streaming platforms, of course, Spotify, Apple Music. Google Play, SoundCloud, um, everywhere but YouTube. But Joe Rogan, watch out. Cause when we hit YouTube, <laughs> it's a wrap. Um, I got way more hair than you. Uh, so, <laughs> so we appreciate y'all listening. Interact with us on the socials at dadbod pod on Twitter at dad bod pod on Instagram. Uh, watch out. The broskies might be coming to IG live. We might be breaking, uh, Oh yeah. Ages stereotypes and showing up on IG live. Um, I got will be little, wearing got a little collab coming.
2: Yes. Collab coming. Um, also some upcoming amazing guests as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned to the bros. We appreciate you guys' patronage.
0: Um, and yeah, uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, but if you have to burn shit down, do so. Dad Bod Rat Pod. mm mm-hmm.
4: I love them, so I must manifest.